Welcome in fans to the 15th episode of the Utah Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. Our guest today is John Burke, who's the team's athletic trainer. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Yeah, it's cool to be here. I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything quite like this before. <laughs> That's okay. I, I have to tell the fans out there, I, I texted John last week and I said, hey, John, do you want to be on our podcast? And he goes... We have a podcast, <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah, probably little, more my fault than yours. So don't feel bad. No, no. It's, I mean, I just sometimes I I get so um, I feel so out of the loop with a lot of things. I just with working <laughs> so with working so much, I definitely sure. have no idea what kind of what's going on outside of the team. Sure. So all the extra yeah. additional stuff that happens outside of Utah lacrosse that I'm not aware of. It's it's easy for me to no, get distracted. I totally understand. We've only yeah. recorded one in the yeah. time you've been here so don't worry okay all right cool so so well, it hasn't been a long for long sure time since most of them here. were last were last season so don't okay. worry uh cool. tell us about yourself though where, where were you born where are you from what's your family like okay um so i'm originally i was born and raised in metro detroit uh michigan so i was uh from the little bit of a suburb town called uh, south line um I'm pretty much closer to uh you know about i describe about 20 minute, 30 minute drive from the main city of Detroit that everyone kind of knows. Um, you know, I was went to high school about a mile and a half from where I grew up. Uh, it was a brand new high school as well too. It was really nice, but a uh, good good experience. And uh, I did my under or my undergraduate uh, degree in athletic training at Central Michigan University, and um, great experiences there. And you know, I had I had a lot of uh, a lot of experiences in Michigan that ended up uh, just overall wanting me to kind of get outside of the state and really challenge myself. And uh, you know, uh, one of my mantras in life is that sometimes in life you don't realize where you're headed until you arrive. Sure. From uh, it's from Calvin and Hobbes, who's one of my favorite <laughs> comic comic books sure. uh, ever. But yeah, it's um, where I'm from, and uh, you know, I always consider Detroit a home to me, and uh, I always consider myself a Detroiter. Cool. And uh, and uh, it's just nice to uh, go outside of it and kind of have this weird sort of uh, blue collar chip on my shoulder with how I was raised and, um, you know, seeing the, the country and out I'm in Salt Lake City being stuck here with Utah lacrosse is just overall cool experience. I, I couldn't ask for anything better. And um, I'm really happy to be a part of such a great staff that, uh, that kind of embraces that side of me too. So. Definitely, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel that our staff definitely has uh, chips on their shoulders uh, in, yeah. their own, in their own right. In our own way then too, you know? For sure. I mean, we all kind of carry it in a different way and I, I think that's kind of what helps complement us all. Definitely, talk about, you know, growing up in, in Detroit in high school, what, what was John Burke like in high school? Were you playing sports? Were you oh, the man. drama geek? What, what were you? I, I, was, I was kind of a, um, you know, I, I was an exister, really. I, I didn't in high school. I, I didn't really um, stand out in a lot of things. Sure. Uh, I didn't really find my purpose in life until I would say I went to Central Michigan. Uh, in high school, I, I never really, f I, I lacked a lot of purpose and I, I lacked a lot of drive. I mean, in sports, I was very into um, wrestling. Actually, that was cool. a big, yeah. big part of my life. And overall, martial arts. Um, I. Uh, probably from when I was a sophomore in high school all the way up through probably halfway through my uh, university uh, career at Central Michigan, I was very involved in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing. And um, I learned a lot about myself with those and those, those sports with wrestling, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and kickboxing. I definitely, you know, 
started to hone in on some habits that, uh, uh, that I learned from, you know, whether it be from the individual sport of wrestling and, and challenging yourself in, uh, in a positive way as opposed to, you know, team sport that lacrosse can be. But really learning a lot about yourself in an individual sport, I think, is something important that, you know, everyone should kind of go through, whether it be, sure. whether it be wrestling or, or any other sport or, or something in of its own sure. right, you know, just really putting yourself on the spot and seeing how you handle pressure can be overall a good that, thing. That's interesting. I'm, so I played golf mm -hmm. and lacrosse in high yeah. school. And so I think that that's, that might be a wise, uh, you know, being a, the individual sport of golf, but then mm -hmm. a team sport of lacrosse. That's yeah. an interesting, interesting point you make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, you know, I played football a little bit in high school, my freshman, sophomore year. And frankly, I didn't, I didn't get along with my teammates. I didn't like the coaching staff. And, um, I started to find myself go down this this path of you know I, I'm an only child and I started to go down this path of independence and wanting to take ownership of myself sure. and um, with wrestling and with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu those are all sports where I, I I get to decide how prepared I am I get to decide uh, how hard I work um, and I'm not reliant on others because for that and I I was just drawn to that so much more because I felt like I was in so much more control um, sure. with those things. And, you know, that as far as sports goes, that, that's where my mentality was. But I mean, as a student, you know, a lot of people find this hard to believe, but I, I, was, a, I was a C student. I was very, I was not, I was not motivated at all. I, I didn't have any passion in my life. I didn't really have a purpose, but that wasn't until I found athletic training and then that, that kind of changed for me. Into, Did that happen in high school or was that in college? No, I was in college okay. too. So initially I went to Central Michigan University for broadcasting. Cool. And I know, I know if some of my athletic training students hear that now, they're probably going to laugh at me. But uh, You have a broadcaster voice. I'm okay do, with that. Do that. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I was initially found. You know, I just, I was just looking for something, and for some reason broadcasting stuck out to me, um, cool. working, in, working behind the scenes yeah. of with things. So kind of, you know, the, directors, the, the director chair of, you know, a, a TV news station or or this, that, and the third. I mean, there were so many other things that go into putting in a television yeah. broadcast. And that, to me, was drawing uh, more and more. But as, as I started at Central Michigan, I got involved with the, the program that they had there. And um, I found that it wasn't necessarily for me uh, in, in early on, which, which was really good that I found that because I, I, I kind of dove right into it my, first, my freshman year, my uh, first semester, and then I think that's the time to really kind of try out all the different things instead of sure. just picking one thing and sticking with it forever. Yeah. I was thankful enough to find something else. So I was in a weird limbo as far as where can I take. So I, I knew broadcasting wasn't for me. Now where do I kind of go from here? And yeah. I don't know what it was. I, actually, I, I do know what it, is, what it was of when I decided I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Uh, so I was about a year and a half into my career at Central Michigan. And... I thought about athletic training and you know I really like sports and I also you know was semi interested in medicine and I sent an email to the Central Michigan athletic training um, program advisor mm -hmm. who she, she was also a professor and I met with her and I'll never forget it uh, she I sat down with her and she said okay so here are your grades where you are right now and uh, with your grades, with where you are right now and what your resume is, you're not getting into this program. Sure. And I, sa I, I thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, I had a 2.6 GPA and I, th I thought being average was fine enough. 
enough to get out to, to succeed in life. Sure. And then I kind of had that weird moment of like someone just being, I never really had someone being brutally honest with me like that before. And it was at that point when I realized I need to get my act together for my grades and okay. I need to start going beyond this stuff. And, you know, next thing I know, I started buckling down and taking school more seriously. And I found that, you know, that I did enjoy learning the stuff I was learning. And cool. um, I, I just kind of carried that momentum throughout the rest of my life of, uh, you know, always trying to challenge yourself in ways that you're not, you know, you're not comfortable with and getting sure. used to feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I went from the kid who was, you know, just, I, I wasn't a huge video game nerd. I wasn't a huge sport jock. I wasn't a huge anything. I was just an exister kind of yeah. going through life, going through the motions. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, like a light switch, it just clicked for me. And I realized I wanted to be an athletic trainer and I wanted to challenge myself in ways. And, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm out here in Salt Lake City, Utah. It, 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 feel, <laughs> it feels so weird to, to talk about it. Like it, it feels as if it was 20 years ago. And I graduated from Central Michigan uh, in 2015 and so much has happened since 2015 even don't don't uh, spoil it we'll yeah. get to it <laughs> yeah okay. yeah um, we'll get there That's, okay so you graduate from CMU what, yeah. where do you go next what do you do next so as, as a part of my um, part of my curriculum for the athletic training program and I just want to say too like I had a lot of failure even in the athletic training program too so I, I, I didn't even get into the program my first attempt okay so they, they rejected me because of my grades and that was like you think about moments in life and chapters in life that are difficult. Like I knew going into it that I had, I, I was at a disadvantage because I built up this, this average GPA. And then, you know, I did two semesters. I think it, it was actually, yeah, two semesters back to back with 4.0 GPAs. And then I was work, I was, you know, work, I, you had to do observation hours in an athletic training setting. Yeah. So I was doing observation hours at a high school and I, and I got rejected the first time. And that was like, it was like one of the, first times like I had to deal with like education rejection too because I really put myself out there sure. and it, it, I failed and so and you know I don't know what it was but then like I just you know suited back up and then I, I, I applied the next semester and I you know I got another 4.0 GPA and you know they, they admitted there you know they took me in and I remember, I'll never forget I'll never forget the email when I got that, that acceptance and uh like I, it was the first time I've ever screamed for joy in my <laughs> academic career sure. for anything academic. Sure. And, um, you know, it was just so much hard work that I had for about a year and a half and to fail the first time and then have to wait another semester long to sure. of not knowing if I'm going to get into the program, uh, was, was definitely difficult because our, our, our program was at the time it was very, very, um, competitive okay. and, the, and the, I appreciate the fact that it was competitive. So sure. It kind of helped light another fire under me to keep going yeah. too. So yeah, while you were at CMU, what what sports did you work with? What were your main responsibilities? Nearly all of them. Okay. So as I mean, it, it, it's hard to talk about an undergraduate athletic training student without saying that you did everything. It's, it's kind of hard to put into words. But you know, my first semester, I, we did two six-week rotations. The one that I got rejected, and I think it was I, I think I worked fall football and then. Women's volley, yeah, volley, women's volleyball. I got rejected, applied again. Then I worked baseball and then wrestling, and then I got in. Then I got into the program, and I worked with a semester with women's soccer, and then a semester with spring football, 
and then and so it's hard yeah. not to say yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like i worked every sport nearly cool. and then um and then i did my third semester i did a, a rotation at an emergency room and then a rotation at a physical therapy clinic that worked with sports injuries okay and then the fourth semester i was at a high school okay so and then the fifth semester is kind of what it's kind of what we call the internship semester, and that's when I left Central Michigan, and I moved to St. Joe's, or moved to Philadelphia to work at yeah. St. Joe's. Okay. Um, that's that internship turned into an internship job, and then that's when I started living in Philadelphia. And, and that's when you became involved in with lacrosse. Yeah. So I worked. So when I was an intern at St. Joe's, I was never fully a staff member, but I was an intern at St. Joe's for uh, about a year and year and a half, I think. Yeah, relatively short time, but I worked with the track and field team and I worked with the men's lacrosse team. And, um, you know, I, I learned, so you, you learn so much about yourself as, in any, in any profession, I think, when you finally start applying what you've learned. Sure. And, you know, I'll never forget my dad always telling me, you know, I was like, this is when the real learning starts, is when you're in the, that setting. Yeah. And, you know, working with, working with men's lacrosse the first time, I, I just started to I quickly fell in love with it. I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed like the speed of the game. I really enjoyed the toughness of the athletes and how, and, and the program that Taylor has, or the head coach Taylor Ray has out there. You know, it was it was a great atmosphere to start off with, and sure. you know, as a new kid, uh, I was still learning a lot. He was, they were all really patient with me and everything, and you know, I made lots of mistakes. I still make mistakes to this day, and. You, you learned a lot about yourself as a clinician, and it, w it was when I left Philadelphia, I kind of I kind of had this, I don't want to say a, a, like, not, like, knowledge that I had was going to go back to lacrosse, but I knew eventually, wherever, wherever I ended up in life, I wanted yeah. to be working men's lacrosse again, okay. at least at one point in my career. Cool. And so, when I, though I left St. Joe's for obviously a better gig, yeah. I knew, I, w I knew that I wasn't going to be there I wasn't going to be at the better gig for permanently sure. and too. so I, I I look back at my times with Philadelphia uh, nothing but positive times I love Philadelphia living yeah. there and you know working with men's across for the first time that's when I really start, fell in love with the sport and I wish it I wish it was bigger in Detroit yeah. Michigan to be honest I mean sure. I, don't, I don't know how big it is in the Michigan now it's been I think it's been nearly six years since I've lived in Michigan. Okay. Yeah. I, once I graduated college, I moved out as quickly as I could. Yeah. And so, then, uh, so Detroit Mercy has a Division One team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, we played them in a yeah, couple weeks. Yeah. April twenty seventh. Okay. So I don't. I don't know how long have they had a team. It hasn't been long. Yeah. Probably ten years or less. Mm -hmm. Maybe even five. Somewhere in that yeah. area. I actually know their athletic trainer too. He's a CMU alumni. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So uh, any if he's still there. Any reunion plans when they come to town? No, I'm gonna reach out. To, I'll probably reach out to him in April okay. too, just sure. say, "Hey, I'm fellow Chippewa." Cool. Too. So awesome. It's uh, it's it's cool. You know, I did Detroit Mercy, and then you know, University of Michigan. Yep. Definitely, everyone knows that program. Yep. Um, but those are the only two in Michigan I can think I of right so. now. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so after after St. Joseph's, um, you know, you leave Philadelphia. Where do you, where do you go? Where do you end up? So, um, part of part of the athletic training right now so, so in order to explain why I left Philadelphia I have to explain like you know the yeah. the, the background behind sure. it so athletic training is is turning into an entry-level master's program so it okay. used to be and this is where this is where I was uh, it used to be where you go to university 
for an accredited program in athletic training, you get your bachelor's yeah. of science. And my, mine was bachelor's of science in athletic training, but yeah. some people can get bachelor's of science in kinesiology with sure. athletic training emphasis. Um, I don't know how it is at the University of Utah, but um, so uh, you get your bachelor's of science in athletic training, and then you kind of go off into the real world and you can work in a few settings. Sure. Now, what is happening is that in order to become an athletic trainer, it's a required master's. So okay. a, I don't remember which year it is. I think it's 2022. It's required by any school teaching athletic training that it has to be a master's program. Okay. So for me, as someone who only had a bachelor's, I realized I needed to go get a master's to help distinguish myself sure. as well since yeah. the coming generations of you know athletic trainers are going to be masters and I'm only gonna have my bachelor's right. so I, I need I need to kind of get ahead of the game otherwise I'm gonna be left behind right. and to work in a division one setting uh, you a master's is pretty much required for sure uh, especially a power five university quite like Utah yeah. um, you know not saying you need a master's I mean one of my close friends who's the athletic trainer at St. Joe's now he he only has a bachelor's but he's working his way to get his master's right cool. now so okay. it's it's not it's something that a lot it, it's it's I want, I want to say controversial but it, it's it's interesting to see how the transition is going to happen but i think it'll be good great for the overall profession because sure. getting a master's you know you get a little bit more educated you get a yeah. little bit more clinical experience and too so so i left philadelphia because i knew i wanted to get a master's and i did not i didn't want to go to temple uh, <laughs> okay. so yeah i didn't want to go to north philly sure. so uh so for me, I, you know, had a lot of heart to hearts with my mentor at Central Michigan who, you know, he kind of got me to Philadelphia to begin with. Yeah. And then um, I applied. He talked to me about University of Utah and working at grad school there. So grads, so grad school at University of Utah, like I looked it up. And actually, I initially wanted to go to University of Utah for their football program. Yeah. They had a graduate assistantship with the football okay. team and then they had you know they have grad students at uh, multiple sports at, yeah. at the at utah athletics so there's a a swim graduate assistant there's um a ski graduate assistant okay there's men and women's tennis yeah. um but when i flew out to utah for the interview uh u.s speed skating was there the mm -hmm. uh like the Olympic sport, U.S. Yeah, speed skating. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the headquarters of U.S. speed skating is in Kearns, yeah. which is just down, what, 20 minutes down the road from Salt Lake City? Yeah, more of a half hour into <laughs> okay. where the Olympic goal traffic, is. Right? Yeah, depending <laughs> on traffic then too. But okay. yeah, it's about, a half, it's about a half hour drive from campus yeah. to the Olympic Oval. And um, so I, 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 you know, I didn't really anticipate U.S. speed skating um, having any interest in me at all and um, my former mentor was also the mentor of the current football head athletic trainer okay. so we kind of had mutual friends so I went in I went into Utah thinking oh okay well I'll probably work football and you know it'll, yeah. be, it'll be good experience for me and you know working at a power five university and then I interviewed with uh, Ted Kyle and and, and, and Shane uh, and uh, it's so crazy like like we go back to sometimes in life you don't realize where you're headed until you arrive I they like uh, those two guys were the the high or the sports performance director and the medical director for U.S. speed skating. They wanted a, a, an athletic trainer assistant cool. to help out okay. with uh, with you know the their two current athletic trainers. Yeah. And they, I did I must have done something right in my interview. I mean they, they initially what they said was you know my EMT experience that they 
we're really drawn to. And I, uh, next, I got an email from University of Utah saying, congratulations, you've been accepted. And I was thinking football. And they said, no, you're going to U.S. speed skating instead. Okay, so, you're, so, so you'll be a student at University of Utah, mm-hmm. but you'll work with U.S. But speed yeah, skating. I was, I was working. Okay. I, then I started working at U.S. Cool. speed skating then too. So as I was earning my master's, yeah. I was working with, you know, wow. in a setting that some people... I mean, I'm so I'm so grateful for for that experience and that 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 you know Karen and Fikre and you know they're both the head athletic trainers up at yeah. um, at US Speed Skating that they were willing to take a risk with me and um, it's just yeah so 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 real quick two things so you mentioned your EMT experience right uh, so when were you an EMT and where I, I was in EMT it was in okay. Detroit wasn't yeah it? yeah I was in yeah. Detroit so I um but so I had so. Like any great plan, um, I had a backup. So if I didn't get in, you're only allowed two chances to get into my athletic training program for okay. my undergrad. If you don't get in the second time, you have to go. They, they pretty much say you're done yeah. or you don't have any more chances. So over the summer, um, I decided to take uh, an EMT course to become, an e, um, become licensed and start practicing in Michigan because I knew yeah. – if I wanted, if I wasn't going to be an athletic trainer, I knew I was going to be something in the medical field. Right. So, I took classes to become an EMT, as a, put it on the back burner, and then I got into the program, but I still kept my EMT license. So while I, while I was working, while I had summers off in college, yeah, I worked as an EMT in Detroit, responding to medical emergencies sure. through that, and then I worked contingent. So pretty much, you know, when I had breaks or you know I'd go home every week or yeah. every other weekend or so from college and I'd work on the okay. road then too so that was overall a great experience too and you know that that talk about learning a lot about yourself sure in a setting you know I, I really look back with my EMT experience in Detroit as another positive positive challenge that I'm a, a challenge that I put myself in an uncomfortable position yeah. and I just kept pushing forward it and um, ended up helping me out because you do things in life where you don't realize where you don't realize that it's it's going to pay off until yeah. until you finally get to the next sure. challenge Definitely. or next next like Definitely. step in life. So I mean the reason, you know, I, I failed at getting into the program. I took the EMT class as I was taking classes to become a athletic trainer, worked as an EMT, and then you know the next step was well, I stuck out to St. Joe's because my EMT experience. Right. And right. then St. Joe, and, you know, then U.S. Speed Skating looked at my St. Joe's experience mm-hmm. and my EMT experience, and then that stuck out to U.S. Speed Skating. Yeah. And then Utah Lacrosse, right. right? They look at my, you know, Same U.S. Thing. Speed Skating experience. Yeah. They look at my St. Joe's experience with men's lacrosse, and then my EMT experience right. too. So it, it's funny how these things uh, accumulate, you know, throughout so, life. So my dad calls that paying your dues. Yeah, you, you paid yeah, your dues. Definitely. You did all that you could to mm-hmm. try and, and advance yourself, and, and look where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, awesome. I'm still paying my dues too. Yeah, you know, I'm, sure. I'm still, I'm a young, I'm 26 years old, and I. What I'm a, What is the ceiling for an athletic trainer? What What do you see in your future? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we're in season right now, so all I can think <laughs> of right now is like my my ceiling right now is just giving, getting the athletes as healthy as possible. Yeah. Uh, but I mean. I mean, as as a Division One athletic trainer, I mean, any, any you always have aspirations to win a national championship. Sure. I mean, that's kind of why I, I you get into this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I wanted to work in a physical therapy clinic, I mean, not knocking physical therapists, but I got into athletic training because I, I love sports. I, yeah. I love the team camaraderie with it, and I also I also love the idea of winning a national championship. I, I love everything about it, and with uh, with with what we have here, I just. 
I just can see it happening and being a part of something like that to me is so much more than just working your typical nine to five job and um, now I'm kind of going through the motions of things. So, so like in coaching and and refing, you know, they start at, you know, little league, then you start at high school, then you go to college then Mm -hmm. you go to the pros. Is that a similar track for athletic trainers or is it, you're kind of, my track is not normal, not even, (laughs) not in the slightest. No. Yeah. So, I mean, a normal athletic trainer, like, yeah. So, so I I feel like I, I skipped, I skipped some, some obvious dues that should have been paid, but I think I paid them up in other, in other ways too, you know? I mean, athletic trainers generally don't work with us Olympic teams, uh, um, as young as me with as little as experience as I had. And, but you know, because of my EMT experience and my St. Joe's experience, I I stuck out in that own way. And so I paid my dues in another, in another avenue that, is not generally traditional. Sure. And, um, so, so if if you stayed the athletic trainer for men's lacrosse, Utah men's lacrosse for the next twenty years, you're good with that, right? I'm great with it. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. I, I definitely. I, I I get a lot out of this. You know. Cool. I I, you know, with the with the days we have and the seasons we have, and too, you have to love what you do. Yeah. And um and for I do sure. I, I I do I really enjoy it and I I love being kind of on the front lines of things to begin with. That's kind of primarily why I enjoyed EMT. It's nice to be the first responder on things and really kind of get an idea and then building from that too. Athletic training, you know, it was like I told you a while ago. I mean, athletic trainers are, are the, they're the, they're the bridesmaids of, of, of like <laughs> athletics sometimes, you know, sure. they're always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Right. Sure. So it's just like, we're always kind of in the background of things. And, hey man, and, I feel that too. As yes, a yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, so yeah. it's just, it, you have to love what you do because, um, you know, it, sometimes it can be a thankless job and, and, but I almost enjoy that too. Cause yeah. in a weird way, I, I don't really like being thanked. I don't sure. really like being like recognized yeah. for some stuff then too. That's why it's weird for me to be on this podcast. Cause <laughs> You know, normally athletic trainers sometimes don't get uh, thought of and sure. things like this and um, how, how how we contribute to the it, team. I mean, you've got a great story. That's that's the, the crux of it. Half, yeah. About halfway through. So so you're in Salt Lake. Uh, yeah. You're working with U.S. Speed Skating. You're getting your master's. Yeah. How long were you doing that? Tell us about that experience, you know, and so, obviously that led to the, to the Olympics. Yeah. So I started at U.S. Speed Skating in June of 2000. 16 it's 2019 now yeah yeah so yeah because it was the 2018 olympics so yeah june of 2016 and um yeah it was uh it was a cool experience you know my my mentors there karen and feet gray are both were awesome athletic trainers and they really took me under their wing and I, i learned a lot from them i learned a lot and, you know about the the usoc and like that this high level sport mm-hmm. and um Overall, looking back at the at the Olympics, it's like the best thing I never want to do again. <laughs> so, it, it, not, and not to say that there wasn't yeah. it wasn't great times, but you know, I mean, when I was I was working with U.S. Speed Skating, I I just found my and in, and being in grad school on top of that, I just found myself in a an inordinate amount of stress and too. And the last year of my grad school and at U.S. Speed Skating, I was going through like family issues at the time, and so it was it was very difficult but it was you know we talk about challenges that we go through in life like that was you know the last year was one of the most difficult times of you know really challenging myself and and getting better overall and not just as an athletic trainer but the kind of person I wanted to be and it really kind of set me up 
for the Olympics and the Olympics to itself was almost kind of um, like <laughs> after the Olympics, it was almost kind of a catharsis, but during the Olympics, it was kind of my last crucible or my last big sure. test of like, you know, sure. can you hold it together? Like, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I did, I did. Cool. It was a, it was a gr amazing experience. You know, I'll, I'll never forget some of the memories I have when I was over in Korea and some of the memories I have with some of the athletes and like the, the relationships yeah. I built with them. And it was, uh, it was, like I said, the greatest thing I never want to do again because that, <laughs> that level of stress to go through, yeah. uh, I, I hope I never go through something like that again. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned when we were in Denver, we had a team meeting. You mentioned that, you know, your athletes had taken the bronze medal, right? Yeah, that, uh, yeah, we were in Denver. Yeah, so, um, so a few of the athletes that I worked with uh, were, had, were in the team pursuit, and they, uh, they earned the bronze medal during... I don't remember the date, but yeah, it was it was around the time it was around the time of the Denver game. It yeah, was really close cool. to it, and, and it was just a cool, it was a really cool like reminder of you know, wow, a year ago today I was I was in uh, I was in the Gangneung Olympic Oval, and right. you know they were I saw my athletes that I worked with for two and a half years just yeah. you know holding up their bronze medal and just celebrating, and then you know flash forward a year to. We're in a small, crowded, you know, <laughs> meeting room with the team, and we're, yeah. we're talking about, we're, we're talking about our favorite pillars in Utah lacrosse, and thinking to myself, I've, it's been, a, I've come a long way. I can't yeah. imagine where I'll be a year from now. So, For sure. yeah. um, after the Olympics happen, uh, what kind of transpires between then and and kind of you know when you're hired as the oh. official athletic trainer? Oh, uh, fear. I had I had no idea. I had no idea that. Um, I was so, going to so get this position. At that point, were you done with your graduate school, or did, were you just finishing it up? So, at the so so the Olympics. So the Olympic. I was gone pretty much from January until mid March. Yeah. So after the Olympics, believe it or not, there was another competition I had to go to. Okay. And so there was a we we were in Changchun, China, at the what's wow. called the World Sprints. Okay. And uh, I was there with uh, some additional athletes, and um, that was. That was a cool experience, uh, and, um, but I I just remember when I got when I when we left Korea after the Olympics after all I had like I said we talked about that catharsis I had yeah. I got like I I never normally don't sleep a lot and I slept I think probably 18 hours straight <laughs> sure and um, just like just this sudden release of all the stress and then I was in China and and having a over every obviously the the atmosphere is a lot more laid back considering. Yeah. It's right after the Olympics, so right. no one, no, no one's really. It, this tensions aren't as high as they normally are. Sure. Um, but yeah, so you know, we, we have that competition, uh, and then I really it, from mid March until um, I graduated, I didn't really do anything. So I had already defend. I defended my thesis the November before I left because I knew that if I didn't get my mm. thesis done way early yeah i wasn't going to be able to go to the olympics yeah. and at that point i didn't know i was going to the olympics until about a, a week before we left oh wow yeah so no it was two <laughs> weeks before but still like i the, so i had this pit in my stomach of i don't know if i'm yeah. going or not and wow. uh the entire time it was so i, I wanted to be as best prepared as i could if i was if yeah. i was going to go but if i wasn't going to go i already had my thesis done so i just sure. had to get it done and sure. so for really from march until may i I didn't do much. I went. I went hiking a lot. Sure. I went down. I went down to Southern Utah a lot, cool. and uh, I really well kind of just break. took time. I well yeah. needed break. Yes, for sure. You know, like I said, I was mis I was finished up with uh, 
like I was had family issues. Like, you know, my mom was re recovering from cancer at that time. And, you know, my mom was going through chemo when I was in the Olympics uh, or in Korea. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very difficult time for me. You know, I, I just, I was going through a lot of personal stuff yeah. while, while I was in Korea. And then like really when, when March hit, everything just kind of hit me hit me like a, a ton of bricks and yeah. two and I, I just I just took time for myself and um cool really kind of regenerated and started figuring out it's like well I don't want to move back to Michigan at the end of grad school or I don't want to move back to the Midwest at the end of grad school for sure um I want to stay in Utah yeah. however however I do that so um you know I I, I kept working at you didn't you know I worked like ski patrol at the Utah Olympic Park too I didn't did you? know that you didn't know that no, okay so awesome. I so when I was at, so I took my <laughs> I've done a lot. Uh, now that we're, if we talk about it, then too, I forgot I did this. And too, so as I was as I was going through grad school, I worked ski patrol at the Utah Olympic Park. Okay. Um, I took I brought my EMT license to Utah with me, and I challenged the ski patrol test. I and I passed it, and I had mutual friends that worked at the Utah Olympic Park in Park cool. City, and so I, I worked emergency medical services there for events. So okay. and, which was like cool experiences too. Like I was yeah. the first responder for Bob the World Cup bobsled. Oh, nice. And like skeleton and stuff, okay. and uh, the aerialist too. You yeah. know, with the freestyle skiing, um, which I say is the greatest event to watch when you're not working the medical for. <laughs> and um, sure. So yeah, so I did that about. The, the last year on uh, on days off I had at speed skating. Generally, it was Monday through Saturday I worked at speed skating, and, sun, and Sundays I, I worked at the Olympic Park. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that was through, so I was seven. I was on seven days a week, yeah. pretty much, yeah. from from when I started grad school to when I ended. Right. And um, so wow. yeah, when March hit, I I, <laughs> I was working occasionally at the Olympic Park, yeah. just making some extra cash and making ends meet, and then. Um, then just went on a lot of hikes and awesome. all time to myself and trying to trying to figure out what I was going to do in order to stay in Utah. And at yeah. the time, I thought, well, I'll just work in, I'll just work, I'll be a ski bum. I'll be, I'll work sure. the ski patrol and that'll, that'll be it. <laughs> cool. And then, um, then I learned about the Utah lacrosse position and I thought, well, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more qualified people, but I'm just, I got to take a swing. Sure. I got to take a swing hard. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, so then that, you know, you apply to that. Mm -hmm. um, you probably wait a couple of weeks and then. Who, oh, no, no, it was not a go? couple of weeks. Okay. No, it was. So I, I sat, I sat down with the, the director of sports medicine at yeah. Utah athletics, Trevor Jamison. And he, I just expressed my interest in the position and I said, look, you know, I, I worked men's lacrosse yeah. at Utah or at Utah at St. Joe's. Yeah. Um, I know, I know there's a lot of qualified people coming in, but you know, we didn't really, there, there was a lot of moving parts and, yeah, and athletics was moving kind of, uh, I want to say kind of slow, but they were, they were, you know, trying to make sure they had all their ducks in a row with yeah. everything. And so I didn't really, I applied for the job, interviewed and everything. And I, I remember like one of the longest two week stretches I've had of just, I don't know what's yeah. going on. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to be a ski bum. And yeah. then, uh, and then I got the call from Trevor finally getting the job, but I wasn't officially hired until July 1st. Yeah. So there's a, period of about two months there where I really really from March until June that I didn't yeah. know if I would I had a job job yeah. like a career job right a little uncertainty yeah a little uncertainty which okay. which you know which which is healthy to have every sure. now and then but I hope that I don't have that for a while <laughs> uh, okay know. so you're so you're hired what mm -hmm. what's your first conversation like with the coaching staff how did that how did that transpire well I remember when I interviewed with coach Holman um you know he we did it was a short phone interview 
and uh, he, he really, he didn't even really ask me anything. He, he just said, all right, John, well, I'm going to leave it up to you and uh, have you shoot off some questions for me. And, and I, I, and he doesn't know this, uh, <laughs> but so if he listens, he's going to know. He'll so, listen, for uh, sure. Uh, I... One of, the, one of the best things I learned about interviews was that you got to do your research then yeah. too. So I had um, a, micro, a Microsoft Word document and a notepad, and I had each coach. So I had Will Manny, his accolades, Adam Gettleman, his accolades, Marcus Holman, his accolades. And then I had a big like box, Brian Holman and his accolades then too, of everything that he had. So I, I knew what this. to talk about. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew what topics to try and bring up yeah. into the situation, and I, knew, and I knew one common theme too. So... Um, I don't want to say it was an in, but it was definitely like, like uh, something I, I had in the back of my pocket was yeah. when his daughter Sydney and Marcus won the national championship in Philadelphia. I was there. Oh. I was St. Joseph's was the host. Oh wow! Was the host school yeah. for the yeah. women's national lacrosse championship. Yeah. So I was actually in the stadium, and I, I probably saw you know Mrs. Holman. Uh, in yeah. the stadium too without even realizing it at that time too so i watched wow. sydney win her national championship wow. and you know, like talk about small world right and then i moved to utah and the next yeah. thing i know i'm interviewing the 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 father like yeah. the guy who was in there. philadelphia when i was there too in the same in the same stadium the same area too so i, I brought that up as well as you know talked about that and you know we, we talked about what he I, I ask questions. Uh, I'll, I'll forget. You know, how do you like to incorporate sports performance into your sure. into your um, coaching style? And yeah. we just we had a, I had a whole list of questions and how they integrate into his accolades into and what what he's accomplished of his time at UNC and you know and the and the additional coaches that were with, um, involved yeah. too and anything else that I, I started looking up. I even looked up. Uh, I watched the YouTube video of um, uh, not. Not Director Harlan. Who who's our athletic director? Chris Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With him and the press conference that we uh -huh. had with Coach Holman yeah. too. I watched the whole 30, 40 minute thing on YouTube, okay. and I remember <laughs> writing questions down that yeah. I noticed during uh, the uh, the interview process. And like like for example, I knew I observed him during that tough. He would talk about eye contact and stuff and yeah. like you know the the importance of culture so i i knew that that kind of stuff was important to him and it's important to me too yeah. but i knew that like this is what i was getting into so i did the research on this coaching staff and started to recognize is this something that i yeah. could be a good fit in and and how my and how how would i integrate myself into this culture yeah, yeah. wow so I did a lot of research because I had nothing but free yeah. time, and, and but but as as I was doing research, I found myself yeah like I think I could really I could do yeah. this like I think I could really got a good shot at this and I think I really could um, transition well to with to work with these with these staff members. What a story, John! I love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. So you know when he Coach Holman realizes that he's probably going to try and ask for the notes. I, I think I have them <laughs> somewhere still. It's about two. It's honestly it's about two pages notes that I took just on him yeah I love it yeah. okay so that's that's transpiring over the summer yeah you know you're officially hired but we don't really kick off what what are you doing that summer to kind of get ready to for the for the season oh man you know honestly is was, was working a lot with uh Parker our strength and conditioning mm -hmm. coach and for me it was trying to get my bearings on the on how what kind of athletic trainer I wanted to be yeah and um and, and how we're gonna how we're going to handle things. I mean, you know, it's just myself um, with these athletes. And um, 
we really started talking about training plans and, you know, yeah. how, how am I going to, how, you know, really, really just routine stuff that kind of sounds boring, but you know, how, how does coach Holman want his injury reports? How, you know, yeah. how do you guys want, um, how do what kind of, what kind of commonalities that you want me, sure. you know, reinforcing in the athletic training room. And so, you know, I really, a lot of it was, is as I took our pillars of, uh, the, the whole booklet and just, breeze I won't say breeze through it but read through it yeah. and and tries like well how, how can I apply this into the athletic training room and what sure. I do and um I still am working to try and try and build that too um but it's step it's uh it's 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 getting better like and um I'm still learning at this point too you know yeah. I don't I don't have everything figured out and if I do have everything figured out there's probably like I don't know that it will be a long time before sure. I do. And sure. so I'm, I'm still learning of what kind of athletic trainer I want to be and, sure. and working with, but the thing is, is I have a great staff to help support me in all the decisions I make. And, yeah. um, I know that they're going to back me when I need it for too. sure. So, uh, you know, now you've worked with, with two lacrosse teams. What are some common injuries that you see for lacrosse uh, players? Ankle sprains for sure. Yeah. I, I even just reading the, the, the re research literature ankle, I think the, this report I read is ankle sprains are the most common injuries in lacrosse, followed by hamstring strains and then concussions. And okay. I think the fourth is uh, or bruising or contusions okay. in two. But I don't remember if concussions was four or three. But still, those, those, yeah. are, your big, those are your big three injuries that you need to be aware of. Too, so. And so what are, what are ways to avoid them? And then if it happens, what are ways to kind of treat them? Well, avoiding, I mean, prevention is the best bet. I mean, sure. that's what makes me... You know, the less I work, the better sometimes too. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I, I, we could, we could have a podcast in of itself about <laughs> sure. how I, about ankle sprains and yeah. how to prevent ankle sprains. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of athletes are, of what I see is just, you know, when I, when I see athletes who cr consistently sprain their ankle, I mean, they don't ever really, they, they lack basic ranges of motion that, okay. that should be achieved and they really lack a, a consistent uh maintenance program and then and when i say maintenance I, I mean in the sense of you know just just doing something as simple as doing single leg balance you'd be surprised how few how few high school athletes can perform that well yeah. i mean some of our athletes um with some of the balance testing we do you know they it's funny when you put them in an objective setting and uh, you can really challenge them that they struggle with some balance stuff, yeah. but uh, they've gotten a lot better. Uh, I would say since, uh, since Co uh, coach Teagle and I started yeah. integrating that into warm up, and it doesn't need to be a super structured, you know, go see a physical therapist thing uh, yeah. for, for this ankle maintenance or hamstring maintenance. It, it's something as simple as starting to do it in your warm up. Yeah. And interesting. Yeah, yeah, that builds on it. It starts to accumulate too. I have a rule where if an athlete wants to get their ankle taped or ankles taped for a game, they have to come in the week beforehand and do a, a list of routine, basic ankle strengthening exercises okay. that that would honestly like they, they may not have anything objectively wrong with them, but these are fundamental basic exercises that yeah. anyone should be striving for. I mean, I don't care what the sport is, unless swimming or golf, sure. I guess. Uh, but yeah. you know, a football player could benefit from these basic exercises the same way a lacrosse player could, or the same way you know a soccer athlete yeah. would. You know, these are just fundamental. Like we, we talk about fundamental truths, but we talk about funda like there's fundamental truths in, in sports medicine too. Is, 
you know, these are great exercises that you can do that will benefit you regardless yeah. of whether or not uh, you have a you have a weakness in that sure. area. So if you can if you can start integrating it into daily life, yeah. you know, you're definitely going to see some positive benefits from it. OK. Uh, you know, you've talked a little bit about Coach Teagle. It's Parker Teagle, our strength and conditioning mm -hmm. coach. How does your, how do you guys work together? Because two different things, right? But yeah. also very similar, uh, kind of in your goals and out objectives. How does that work together? I mean, the the big, the, the the most important relationship I should have with the staff should be with the strength coach personally, because, yeah. um, you know, w with what I have with Coach Holman is obviously, you know, incredibly strong, and and I know that he. He trusts me and I yeah. trust him to make the right decisions yeah. when they need to happen. But as far as, you know, building a strong relationship on how to program things out or how to do integrate sp specific movements into uh, into the athlete's training program, him and I are really good at balancing each other out as yeah. far as, you know, he's very, you know, <clears throat> he's, he's, he's very good at creating programs into and like, we'll we'll kind of build on ideas that we have and try and integrate that so the whole team can start to do them or or and or start to you know or i could work specifically with some athletes sure. and he can take the rest with them too so i have i mean I, with whatever injury it may be then too i can come to parker and say hey parker this is what i'm doing downstairs and too can you think of anything else that would benefit him when he's upstairs with you and yeah. we have those discussions and too we talk a lot about you know the sports performance side of things of Working, to, working together as far as nutrition goes, because when yeah. we travel, it's just pretty much Parker and I and the sports sure. performance staff. So, how how we can we integrate nutrition the best way that we can together, and you know how how do we cre how do we build this culture in the weight room and trans and bring that culture to the athletic training room and vice yeah. versa as well. And I, I work I you know I think Parker challenges me in all the right ways that you want in a strength coach. Uh, I think he. he he talks me. He talks me down with being impractical, and I think uh, I think I talk I talk him up sometimes with you know being in, with some things that might be a little bit more impractical in the, sure. in the weight room. But you know that's kind of what you need, right? You don't yeah. you don't want it's a good balance. Yeah, I mean you don't want someone who just agrees with whatever you say and yeah. too, and you know surround yourself with the yes men, and you're just going to end up getting the right, getting yeah. the answer that you always want. So sure. yeah, I think it goes well. Along Excuse those me, lines, you yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Along those lines, um, when we were uh, back at in Maryland for the UMBC scrimmage, mm -hmm. you know, uh, coach, coach always opens the floor for anyone to, to say anything. And mm -hmm. uh, you talked about the fallacy of the unicorn. Yeah. And I thought it was perfect. It, it, explain what the fallacy not, of the unicorn not is. Not mine. Not my idea. Sure. So um, I initially got the idea. He's uh, by an exercise physiologist out in California. His name's Andy, Dr. Andy Galpin. Okay. And I've really kind of been drawn to how he approaches uh, overall sports performance testing, or and I don't want to say testing, but strength and conditioning and and overall sports medicine. Um, he's more of an exercise physiologist, so he's okay. not he's not in the sports medicine realm of things. Into but I really like his approach as focusing on the basics. So one of his one of another quotes of his um, that he says is also another one of one of my things I love to reiterate to the athletes yeah. and and coach Holman I mean he says it all the time too but we all say it in our own different ways but at the highest level of any sport that you have or any setting that you have it all comes down to fundamental basics sure so what I mean by that is you know, we talk coach Holman talks about common men doing uncommon things yeah. or common men doing common things uncommonly you know right. that sounds like right. that's like a triple <laughs> negative or whatever it is but you know doing the fundamentals executing the fundamentals 
will build, it will, will help make you great at whatever you do sure. in life. So the, the fallacy of the unicorn was said by Andy Galpin, and pretty much what he talked about was, and what I, what I expressed to the athlete was, is that when we're about 24 hours out, 48 hours out from a, a game, big game, small game, whatever, whatever sort of performance yeah. uh, or event that you have coming up, that is not the time to start integrating or start doing things that are new. That is not the time to start doing, changing things up in the training program yeah. that you think is gonna give you that extra edge over the team, right. okay? So an example I like to use is, you know, when, we're, when you're at the highest event that you can be, you need to trust everything that you've done three months, six months, year prior, four years prior, if we were talking in the Olympic setting, to get to that point. There's nothing that can be done within that, that next 24 hours or 48 hours that's gonna change right. how you perform during right. that game, other than your just mental preparation and trusting in yourself then too. I see it all the time with athletes who literally look for what I call the unicorn in the sense of they ask for new things. Yeah. They say, if I just got this done, then I'm gonna be able to play like this much, so much better. And it's almost kind of a superstitious sure. um, ideology that athletes adhere to. And I, I really don't want my athletes to get in this superstitious ideology because what happens if they don't get it? What happens if, what happens if the yeah. ball bounces the wrong way? How are you gonna react to that then too? Are you just gonna say, oh, well, I need to, you know, I, I, I couldn't yeah. find the unicorn and right. then, you know, then the rest of the game is ruined then right. too. So really, I just, I don't like introducing new things 48 hours before a game. I don't like introducing, I don't like athletes getting this mindset of, I need this. And or otherwise I won't be able to play well yeah. today. And and this and the you know, this can be so many things into it. It could be, you know, whether a certain meal the athlete has, you know, there's like uh, a, a massage beforehand. Sure. If they, the athletes need to get out of this mentality of that they need all the you know Special A B things. or A B or C things yeah. done prior to the event because then there's no one magical cure all. You're you're just searching for a unicorn that's not there. And and I, I, re, I, you know, I express that to the athletes yeah. all the time, too. And I think, you know, some of them, it really clicks in, too. It's like, you know what, maybe I am searching for something that isn't there, and I right. just need to start trusting myself more. And that, to me, you know, an athlete that trusts himself and believes in whatever they're going to do, that's the athlete you want. You want the athlete that really doesn't, yeah. doesn't care that, you know, he woke yeah. up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning or sure. that he didn't get the, the ice bag in the right spot then too. You know, you find yeah. a way to take care of it yourself then too and you do the best that you can, but there's nothing, physiology isn't so precious that we can make a huge difference 24 hours out from sure. the game. Yeah, too. makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, anything else uh, in the athletic training side that you want to talk about? Any other notes? Not really, no. Okay. I mean, you know, I could go on and on about athletic <laughs> training too. We'll, yeah, we'll uh, we'll save it for another one for sure. What's what's your favorite pillar? Humility. Why? I think I think in order to get where um, where I've where I've gone, where I've been, you need to have a certain level of humility. Uh, I think um, as an EMT, I I had a lot of humility and. Some of some of the scenes that I've been on, you really start yeah. to appreciate. I appreciate so much more where I grew up, from uh, some of the houses I've been to, sure. some of some of the calls I've been on, and some of the families I've seen. And um, you really, I I really just all I have is a sense of humility 
from my um, EMT days, yeah. especially working in Detroit, you sure. know, no one's calling 911 to tell them that they're having a great day. <laughs> so you really get to see a society that that you, you never really knew existed. Yeah. Um, Maybe you've just heard about, but you've yeah, never really you seen. heard about or you would see occasionally, yeah. but to see it day in, day out yeah. every day, it's uh, it really gave me a lot of humility and then building into, you know, I, I took that into my time at yeah. St. Joe's and at U.S. Speed Skating. I mean, my my mentor, uh, Karen Oshwea, I mean, she really got me through the last year of my time at U.S. Speed Skating. She would talk to me routinely about how sometimes, you know, sometimes she feels she feels that she struggles with things, too. And, that, you sure. know, it was it was nice to know that I had a mentor that, you know, she was supporting me all the time and then to know that sometimes that she has a little bit of vulnerability to herself then too it's like oh maybe i'm not maybe i'm not the only one that struggles uh yeah with you know with with things sometimes and sure so that to me speaks the most hands down what's uh what's been your favorite memory so far with utah lacrosse with utah lacrosse yeah can't there's one but i don't want to talk about sure. it because of uh health medical privacy things. yeah <laughs> um you know for for me I, I guess i think the mercer game actually sure. when we when we won yeah. and um f- specifically when the team was in the corner and they were all with their families and i remember walking across the field by myself and like all everyone's like running over and they're all these, all these parents and everything, they're running yeah. right by me. They have no idea who I sure. am, right? Sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they know the coaches. But as everyone's running by me, I'm looking across, and I see the scoreboard of the of the end of the game. And I, I just stopped for a second. And I looked around. I, I just took a photo of the scoreboard because, you know, you, you always remember your first win, and, and sure. especially first win with the first year of the program. Yeah. And um, I remember after that fact I had this, like, just wave of emotions just come over me and how much I how much I appreciate being here and being with the yeah. staff and and knowing where we're going is um that's probably been my favorite memory and 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 kind of you know foreshadowing what what could be in the future sure a lot of people shared those same emotions that day yeah so you weren't alone in that yeah that's that, <laughs> I, I would imagine it'd be a common one yeah too what are some uh, you know we're, we're not dealing with work and lacrosse. What are, what are you doing? Were you getting out and hiking? What are some of your hobbies, some of your interests? Yeah, so, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i definitely an outdoorsy person. Cool. Uh, it's kind of one of the things that drew me to Utah to, yeah. to begin with is uh, the mountains. Um, so, you know, I love hiking, and I also I, I love rock climbing, too. Uh, cool. A lot of my athletes think I'm crazy for doing it, but, you know, I show them photos. And you, you, had, uh, you had rock climbing uh, holds. Yeah. In, yeah, uh, when we were in, uh, in Furman. Furman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I brought him with me just so you know I could practice my grip strength and you know <laughs> my handholds and to just make sure I, yeah. I keep my strength up because when we're busy in the season. So, awesome. so yeah, yeah. That I'd say rock climbing is probably my primary hobby right now. Have, I don't have, have much extra. Have time. you seen Free Solo? I have. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. Did it, it make great your movie. palms sweat like everyone? Yeah, else? It made made my yeah. palms sweat too. Yeah. The thing about the movie, that movie is that it gets, it's like if you don't know anything about rock climbing, it's scary. But if you know a moder- I know. I would say I know a moderate amount of sure. rock climbing. It's even scarier <laughs> because to, to do what he did, 
uh, and and to really appreciate what he did on some of those yeah. on, on some of those areas that he climbed is yeah. just on a whole new level. I, he's, I, he's got an interesting podcast with Lance Armstrong. If you want does to, he? Alex Honnold does. Yeah, I'll look, in, I'll look into that. I, know yeah. I, was, I didn't, haven't listened to that one. Yet what uh, What are some of the books you're reading? What are some of the podcasts you're listening to? Where do you find kind of your inspiration? Uh, currently, I haven't been reading much to be honest. Okay, we're working fourteen. We're I'm working fourteen hour yeah. days. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I mean, I show up at six a.m. and I don't leave till eight p.m. Yeah. So, um, I'd say one of my one of my favorite books is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Okay. My fr- one of my my best friend who's in the military. He um, I was going through a tough time after I kind of retired from EMT yeah. life. And he recommended that book to me, and yeah. it really stuck with me. It's one of my more more um, memorable books. It's sure. one of my more sentimental books, I think, would be appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm reading uh, a book, or I'm reading Between a Rock and a Hard Place, which is about, um, the, was it Alex Ronald? or No, no. The the hiker that I forgot his name the the hiker that went hiking in Utah and yeah. got his hand stuck in a boulder and he mm-hmm. had to cut off his arm. They had yeah. a movie about it. Yeah, 127 a, Hours yeah. is a movie, but okay. the book is be called up Between a Rock and a Hard Place, <laughs> and that that's a pretty good book. Too. What a title! I know, I know, right? <laughs> Fitting, but I'm I'm kind of reading that. Um, and then I just bought this new book. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds dorky, but it's called Nine Out of Ten Climbers Make the Same Mistake. It's just a, perf- a climbing performance book that I'm probably going to bring with us on Love away it. trips, too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've been reading a lot now. I mean, a book, another book that kind of sticks out to me is a book called The Culture Code, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, I really like that book. And um, I read it. I read it around the time of um, uh, before I left for the Olympics and you know, I, I didn't realize it. I didn't draw back to it until I started seeing Utah lacrosse and seeing like what we had, the commonalities between that book yeah. and Utah lacrosse and, and noticing that. And I remember reading the book when I was at USB skating, like, man, I wish I could be a part of something like that. And then just sure. then seeing that, then yeah. seeing those, those same qualities here. So that was, that was kind of another thing that drew me towards Utah lacrosse sure. even more so. Yeah. Um, so because I mean, U.S. speed skating was a great experience, but it was definitely—it's not what we have. It's, it's probably hard too with the athletes coming from all over. And yeah, and I mean, and it's an individual sport sure. at the end of the day, right? So yeah. it, the, the 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 culture will yeah. will uh, I don't know, sure. it supplements certain aspects of yeah. sports that I don't I don't necessarily uh, like. Where uh, where are you at on social media? How can people follow you? They can't. I don't, you don't have social I, media, right? No, I no, have yeah. an Instagram, but that's private. Like, yeah, keep it private. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. Instagram's private too. Yeah, as I'm not a I'm not a big social media person. Yeah. You can write a podcast about how I feel about that too, <laughs> the social media too. But no, I, all I have is an, uh, all I have is an Instagram, okay. and uh, I like to keep that private with just my fr- my sure. family and friends. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people have questions, can they reach out to your your email? Is that appropriate? Yeah, if they want, cool. you know, I mean, um, emails uh, J Burke J B U R K E at huntsman.utah.edu uh, that's my work email and that's your best bet to get a hold of me if uh cool. if anybody has any questions or just wants broadening Pro- probably or? can't answer some questions just because you're not you're not there obviously but i'm yeah. sure there's someone might have a question out there that you could guide them in the right direction yeah yeah i mean I, honestly you know just 
at least be able to give you the resources where to start sure. and to sure. and you'd be surprised how simple some of the, the, the so how questions may seem so complicated to begin with and how simple the answer could be sure and uh you know, and I really enjoy like working the lacrosse camps and too that we have over the summer. I uh, just working with young kids and talking with parents. It's yeah. like, hey, like, you know, why don't you try incorporating this into your kids, this yeah. kid's life, and that this might make help them feel better. And, sure. and you know, that that's rewarding in itself. And too, with whether it be coaching or you know, just how they just how they warm up. Sure. So. And anything else you want to add? Any other? No. Tidbits? Yeah, I will say. Uh, I I I think. I think Jess Tidswell, who's the uh, assistant program director at University of Utah, would kill me if I didn't say this, but it's 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 actually March's athletic training month. Oh. So yeah. Look so, at that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I thought it was funny that you asked me to do this, yeah. but yeah. So it's it's a uh, it's a big deal amongst athletic trainers, and to be able to do this podcast and kind of represent athletic trainers is cool in, in of its own way. Yeah. And um, but you know I, I cool. I'm not in this for the attention, but it's, you know, if any high school kids are listening or, you know, any yep. kids outside of Utah lacrosse are listening, just thank their athletic trainer and for what they yeah. do because, you know, they, they probably do a lot more than you realize. Definitely. So. John, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I, I know that uh, you were a little bit nervous about this, but you handled yeah, it well. I, I thought I did well, <laughs> too. It was cool. It was a cool experience. Good good challenge to have. Definitely. Cap uh, the the Utah host Bellarmine this weekend at 1 p.m., Judge Memorial. Uh, the week after that, or we're in uh, on our spring break trip against Duke, Fairfield, and UMass, kind of a a, a haul, but should be a Murderers should be a good row one. Games <laughs> Definitely, be fun. Though. Get a short break and then finish out March with uh, at Virginia. So, mm -hmm. lots of lacrosse. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.